One of the most attractive things to me about Christianity is that it makes emotional sense. Dylan Thomas, in 1952, uh, published a poem entitled, Don't Go Gentle Into That Night. It's a poem he wrote about his father, and it begins this way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end no dark is right, because their words have forked no lightning. They do not go gentle into that good night. And you, my father, there on that sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. There's something intensely emotionally honest about this prayer because Dylan recognizes that death is evil and a thief. And he invites not just his father and not just, he's not just expressing his own rage, but ours too, because death takes from us people that we love. Here's where Christianity makes such emotional sense. Because Christianity agrees that we should rage against death. It's evil. It's our enemy. But Christianity explains the mystery of why it is we rage, something that Dylan doesn't perceive. Death is not natural. It's not why we were, how we were made uh, to live. And so we experience it as something to rage against. Regardless of what you may believe, we want you to know we're glad that you're here with us this morning. And we want you to know that there is a solid hope grounded in history, a hope that matters, a hope that changes everything. And that's what we encounter in our text this morning. We're going to read a long passage. We're going to read all of chapter 11 of John's Gospel. And it may be too much for some of you to do what we usually do, which is to stand. And that's quite all right. <laughs> so uh, please, if you would, uh, open a Bible and turn uh, to John chapter 11. And now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judah. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back. And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by this world's light. 
It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe, but let's go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been uh, with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. 
And then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. Do you not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish? He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together to make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for the ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Lord, may you be pleased to add your blessing to this reading of your word. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. A straight line is the shortest distance between two points. Have you noticed that God doesn't draw very many straight lines. Just look out at the all that's happening around us in nature. I challenge you to find a single straight tree. This has certainly been true in my life. I grew up north of Baltimore, went to the College Park campus of the University of Maryland, married a local a girl uh, returned after graduate school uh, to my uh, first church, was just a few miles from where we stand. We very much wanted to stay in Maryland where our families were, but that was not to be. 38 years later, we're back in Maryland. And a lot happened in those 38 years. And in those years, the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, all made much of what is happening here uh, and our being here even possible. In many ways, this story from my life is the story not of just one incident in my life, but probably like you, that of many things that have happened in our lives. Uh, we head down one path, we think it's the right path, or we ask God uh, to act and we just experience delays. The last couple of years have been one delay after another. Birthday and family celebrations, holidays, vacations, work travel, special moments at school. They've all been put off again and again and again. And I don't know about you, but I suspect you're like me. We grow pretty tired and weary by waiting. We become frustrated, disheartened maybe even a little irritable. At times, it seems like God's ignoring our prayers, throwing up roadblocks. We pray for change in ourselves, 
in other people in our world, and it still hasn't happened. God does not play games with us. Of that, I'm sure. And yet his ways are not our ways. His timing is not our timing. His plans just diverge from ours, don't they? One of the places we see this is in the story of Lazarus. Martha and Mary, his sisters, send an urgent message to Jesus that he was seriously ill, and Jesus delays. John records in this text the last of the seven sign miracles that Jesus does. These sign miracles validate his claims about himself, and they are intended to awaken faith. These events in the story are less really about Lazarus and more about Jesus. The raising of Lazarus is a preview, a, very, a foreshadowing of, of Easter itself. Let's enter the story just a bit. So just before this story, Jesus has healed a man born blind. It was at the Feast of Dedication, or as we know it, uh, Hanukkah. And at the temple, he was asked uh, if, in fact, he was the Messiah. And Jesus makes a sweeping claim. He says, not only is that true, but I have a unique relationship with God. I and the Father are one. Well, this claim for them is blasphemy. Uh, and the crowd picks up stones, but he manages to slip away and leaves the city. Later... An urgent message comes that his close friend Lazarus is ill. Lord, come, the one you love is sick. And Jesus tells his disciples, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And after two days pass, then Jesus says, well, it's time for us to go. Lazarus has died. Just what is Jesus doing? Why the delay? Well, it wasn't a lack of love. Repeatedly, John tells us of Jesus' deep love for these uh, three siblings. Now, Jesus delays because he's been praying. He's been wrestling with the Father's will, wanting to be certain of God's timing. Just how can I say that? Well, that's what Jesus means when he's praying out loud at Lazarus' tomb. And he says this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He's referring back to his prayers in those days while he delays. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Jesus is referring to his prayers before uh, he traveled to Bethany. He was praying for wisdom about his mission, for guidance for his plans and movement. He knew that the raising of Lazarus would set into motion the final chain of events that would result in his being arrested and crucified. In all of this, Jesus seeks to develop and deepen the faith of his followers. These men he's with right now but all of us. The disciples misunderstand Jesus. They say, well, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. They thought 
He was talking about natural uh, sleep. But bluntly, Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. So that you may believe. This sign is the last of the seven miracles Jesus does before he's raised uh, from the dead. And it's meant to awaken first-time faith and deepen faith for those who already believe. Now, maybe you think of faith as a leap in the dark, something that you would never do. I want to suggest to you that, in fact, you exercise why Jesus has all this powerful mix of emotions at this moment. He's angry and grieved by death because he is anticipating his own death as well, a death that's actually only days away, where he will be utterly abandoned uh, by these men he's spent three years uh, with. Even God the Father will turn his back on him as the Father pours out his wrath on human sin as Jesus, uh, the Lamb who is sacrificed to take away the sins of the world. Jesus comes to the tomb and he orders the stone to be removed. And Martha objects, it's been four days. Now this was part of Jesus' timing and I don't want this to escape you, by Jewish custom, to be dead three days was to be certifiably dead. No questions about someone being dead. And Jesus waits until he's dead beyond question, beyond dispute. And then he summons Lazarus to life. And in Lazarus, the glory of God is revealed. This is a preview of what is to come, a preview of when a larger stone on Jesus' tomb will be rolled away and the tomb will be found to be empty. As Lazarus' grave clothes are removed, it's a preview of Jesus' grave clothes, which will be folded up neatly in that tomb. The glory of God is seen in the raising of Lazarus. And it's a preview of the glory of God in vindicating Jesus as the innocent sufferer who is taken on our transgressions for us. And then John finishes by telling us that Jesus walks right into the storm. The undisputable resurrection of Lazarus results in a meeting of the Jewish high council. Jesus is a political and religious threat, and so they plot to take his life. And Jesus is ready to die. Jesus embraces this to save his people. Now, we who have gathered this morning uh, for the resurrection, perhaps you're here, you've come because someone in your family has asked you uh, to come, and we're glad you're here. Jesus is calling. He calls by name. Do you hear his voice? He's calling you out of death into life this morning. If you hear his voice, come to him. Say yes to him.
We've put our faith in Jesus. We have, we're called to live in the newness of life. But in truth, there's a little Lazarus in all of us. Uh, there's still death in our ways of living. Let us be done with those deeds that lead to death. Let us put to death what is of sin and live the resurrection life. And we have a life that can't be overcome or lost in death. It means we ought to be the most courageous, confident, and hopeful people. Our lives should not be marked by anxiety and fear. We should not be anxious because of the times we live in. Let our joy be evident. Joy is the one mark of the Christian that cannot be faked. You can't pose the real joy that's ours in Christ. And so it should be evident as Mark uh, included in his prayers, today is the day when we, we of all days, should be filled with joy. But we should gather every Sunday with joy, without reverent joy, but a genuine joy, an expressed uh, joy. There should be no question when people come among us that we have received life and we want them to share in this life with us. After his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his followers and he said, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Let's not think it's someone else's responsibility to bear witness to the resurrection. If you know Christ, you have been made an ambassador. You uh, are to represent him. Let us make the most of every opportunity that we have. Let's be prepared to give reason uh, for our hope. One of the best ways that you could create opportunities in your life is to show hospitality uh, to people who are just casually a part of your life. To have them over. You don't have to serve in a lavish meal. Just serve them a piece of pie. Just talk with them and ask them about their story. You'd be amazed at what depth will begin in your relationship with somebody if you just ask about their story and listen. Perhaps they'll even ask about your story. And you might get to share with them what might be the most important thing that's ever happened in your life story. We are called to live in confidence, knowing that everything that we do has meaning. It is written, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. Please pray with me. Gracious Lord God, Thank you for what John has recorded for us. Thank you that we, uh, as we uh, have read and seen, it's as if we were there watching these things unfold. Be pleased to stir us, each one, enabling us to take the next step today 
in our relationship with you. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen.